Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Yeah, I wanted to be a part of a Super Bowl. Like, I live here. I want to be throwing Lombardi trophies across boats. What led to you signing with the New Orleans Saints and Sean Payton? Man, it was Drew Brees. Those Lombardis, I mm-hmm. get one of those in my possession. Then I, I think about making a baseball move. Yo, welcome to All Things Covered with Patrick Peterson and Brian McFadden, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. It's a unique week on the show as Pat Peterson is now a Minnesota Viking after 10 years with the Arizona Cardinals. That still feels weird to say. We promise we'll catch up with Pat Pete soon on his free agency decision. This episode will feature an outstanding interview with Saints quarterback Jameis Winston. As always, make sure you're following the podcast anywhere they are found and subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash all things covered. Man, now it's time to get right to the main attraction. Every week, you guys know what time it is. Here are all things covered. Patrick Peterson, Brian McFadden. We always provide top-notch guests. And once again, we got another spectacular guest joining us here on the show. 2013 Heisman Trophy winner and national champion for my Florida State Seminoles, where he went 26-1 and as a starter. Clearly one of the best collegiate quarterbacks in his era, if you're asking me. But that's up for debate. We'll talk about that a little later in the show. First overall selection in the 2015 NFL Draft. He spent five years with the Buccaneers after signing a new deal last week, uh, set to enter his second year with the New Orleans Saints. My Florida State brother, Jameis Winston, joined us here on the show. Thank you for joining us. You're the third seminal. We had Antonio Cromartie. A few months ago, a few weeks ago, we had Derwin James, and now we had to go offensively. You know what I mean? I, I got I got a lot of, you know, criticism from Florida State fans. Why are you bringing all these defensive guys? So, you know what? I said, if I'm going to bring an offensive guy, I got to go, go get a top-notch guy. And now he's here. James, how you doing? Man, blessings to you, man. Thank you. Thank you for having me, B-Mac. Oh, it's always an honor. It's always an honor, man. Um, first and foremost, you know, an outstanding, talented guy. But it's not just about football with you right you played baseball you know in high school you were a top ranked dual threat quarterback of course but you were also a very very good baseball prospect was there any point where you thought baseball might be your path over football yeah um in high school being drafted in the 15th round to the rangers you know i had a, a tough decision to make uh, with my family like am i going to pursue this dream of being a baseball player uh, a lot of people were saying that you can go play baseball for a couple of years and then come back and play football because uh, Chris Winkie did and a couple other quarterbacks ended up on that path. But I, I wanted to do both, man. You know, I grew up looking up to the the Deion Sanders, the Bo Jacksons of the world, playing both at, in college. So I, I wanted to to make a name for myself doing that. But uh, but baseball has always been dear to my heart. It was one of my passions growing up. And uh, I'll probably get on the mound right now and strike somebody out, man. <laughs> what you throwing? If you had to get on the mound right now, what you think you can clock? 
man, right now I'd probably be like 84, 86. Like it, it wouldn't it wouldn't be pretty, but if I get in shape, I know I could get up in the mid nineties again. Wow. Do you do you ever, you know, do you miss the game still participating in the game? Do you still miss it? Yeah, I do. You know, baseball is a different type of vibe. You got your, your pitchers only, your POs, and they, they got their own little group, you know, and then you got your position players. And your position players, it kind of reminds you of a football locker room. And the POs, kind of, they kind of remind you kind of like the coaches, you know what I'm saying? They're kind of to themselves. You know, they're always about their business. But uh, if you if you get lucky to have a good conversation with, with a with a PO, you you done something good for yourself. But no, I I, I do miss the clubhouse. Uh, I do miss the baseball way. But man, it's the same being a quarterback. <laughs> yeah, I, it, that's that's one of the most exciting positions ever. So I love that. And you're still in the in the prime of your career. You know, still young, quality years left to play. But do you think there's a chance at some point in time, let's say towards the end of your career, would you try to you know try your hand at baseball? <laughs> you know, only only if it's in the lower will, man. Uh, right now, you know, my 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 biggest dream is like like those get those two things behind you. You know, those those Lombardis. I mm-hmm. get one of those in my possession. Uh, then I, I think about making a baseball move. It, it's always been my dream dream to be a, a professional baseball player, but I know how I know how challenging it is. I got Luis Robert. He lived right next door to me, the center uh, fielder for uh, the Chicago White Sox. So yeah. I see that guy putting in work all the time in his cages while I'm out. I'm putting in work in my yard as a football player, you know. So I, I know the dedication that they have over there. I tell them all the time that I, I try to strike him out. But uh, <laughs> we still got to work on our communication because he, I know he ain't having that. No question. And one thing you can't, one thing that you have on your side is time because when it comes to pitchers, I mean, Bartello Cologne pitched until he was like 55, if I'm not mistaken. I know I'm exaggerating a little bit, but you know, pitchers can pitch, you know, a long time. You know right. what I mean? So you have time on your side if you just ever decide to, uh, uh, take on that aspiration. When you look at your collegiate career, you was the, you know, cream of the crop coming out of high school at the quarterback position. But what was the biggest reason, uh, you chose Florida State over your two in-state powerhouses, Auburn, Alabama? I think the, the, one of, one of the biggest reasons was, you know, being teaming up with, with, with Coach Fisher, Jimbo, uh, at the time, Damian Craig was our quarterback coach. Uh, and I really fell in love with those guys from a coaching's perspective, uh, during the recruiting process. And I wanted to be a part of that Florida State culture. When I, when I visited Tallahassee, it reminded me of home. Uh, so it's like, when you in Tallahassee, you're not in South Florida or in, or in this Disney World type of, of Florida. You're like in South Georgia. You, you on the panhandle. So you yeah. still got some of those Southern, Southern qualities, those Southern, uh, atmosphere. Uh, so I really admired that about that city. The, the opportunity to play baseball there. Know, know that we had elite baseball players and one of the greatest baseball coaches of all time. And Coach Martin. Coach Mike Martin. You know, so. You, you got two elite coaches at, at a university that, you know, inspire me, inspire me in my, my life and my game to this day. So uh, I'm happy I made that decision. And, and it's funny you mentioned Jimbo. I had Jimbo on the show during the season, and he's, mm-hmm. he always speaks highly of you. But he said he coached you extremely hard. And he said, he, he admitted it, uh, James. He said he coaches his quarterback harder than any other position on the yeah. football field. But what did you know, for you having that type of coach that wouldn't allow you to, uh, you know, accept, you know, mistakes and things like that. Mm-hmm. What did that mean for you early on in your career at Florida State? You know, Jimbo always preached to me about being dependable and being accountable. 
And uh, one thing as a quarterback, your quarterback has to be a, a dependable, dependable player and a dependable human being because he's asked to lead the other uh, 10 guys on the field with him. And really, the, uh, in the NFL, the other 52 guys and sometimes the, the front office and uh, an entire building, like he's the CEO of, of an organization. So when a college coach and you're expecting dependability and accountability from your quarterback, uh, two things can happen. You know, you can force the guy and the guy seems like he's, you, you ride me too much, but, uh, Jimbo, he got it out of me, man. Like I, I got coached by my dad and my dad is one of the toughest people ever in the world on me. And Jimbo <laughs> came to you, like he came to you as a father. Like you had some of the players, like Jimbo will kick you out of practice. He'll really give you a hard time, but at the same time, he'll invite you up. He will invite you up to his office and talk to you. He won't really apologize, but, you know, he'll reason with you and give you an explanation for why he ripped into you. And uh, when a man is expecting that dependability and accountability out of me, I have to show up for him and because he showed up for me. And we, I mean, we, we did well together. You, so you get to Florida State, your freshman year, your true freshman year, you redshirted behind E.J. Manuel, who became a first-rounder to the Buffalo Bills. Uh, the next season, they hand the keys over to you. You got so many cars you can drive. You know what I mean? You got so many Ferraris out there, Lambos. You got whatever you right. want in the garage. But realistically for you, what were your expectations going into your first year as a starting quarterback for Florida State as a redshirt freshman? I was just excited to play, man. Like, coming out of high school, having that first redshirt freshman year, like, it was challenging. It was very challenging because I've always wanted to play. And I and I got a chance to experience that Florida State culture and atmosphere, but I really wasn't a part of it because uh, I was on the sidelines. You know, I was leading. Uh, I was trying to lead the pack. I was inspiring guys, motivating guys, but silently on the sideline. So when you actually get into it, man, I just was my, – my will was just so much greater because I was actually in it. You know, I, I was able to be accountable for what I'm doing. Like now when I'm leading guys and inspiring guys, I'm actually lead, I'm actually able to lead by example. Uh, you know, during the rest of freshman year, I, we got very competitive on scout team and stuff, but it's nothing like that feeling of, uh, of walking into that stadium and having those screaming friends here in the no chant and go to war with your boys, you know? So I, I think I was, I was so excited for that, man, because I love every aspect of football and to, to be in that environment and, and to be able to experience and be the quarterback for the Florida State Seminoles. Uh, it was a privilege to me, man. I, I embraced that. Where did you come up with the skill set, Jamison? You, you hit on something that was extremely important, I think, for your career and still to this day. The art to lead. You know what I mean? Not just verbally, but by your actions. Because I remember as a true freshman, you weren't even playing. And I used to always ask some of my former teammates, who is this guy on the sideline with the headphones on talking, gathering the troops together? And I remember that was a top-tier quarterback we just signed, but he redshirted. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, man, just seeing that, because I tell people this all the time, the quarterback is a leadership position. If you play that position, you have to be a leader. You know, like it or love it or hate it, whatever the case may be, that's a leadership position. But where did you come up with that skill set? At your early age, you're not even playing, but you still had the courage to be able to talk to people on the sideline. And the thing, the most unique thing about that, Jameis, they all listen to you. Mm-hmm. I remember when I was at Florida State, we weren't listening to somebody who wasn't playing. Bro, you ain't out mm-hmm. there in the fire with us. But those guys were listening to you, so that told me they respected mm-hmm. you. But where did you where did you come up with that element to be able to just be a natural born leader? Well, one thing that my I, I, I got to give credit to my pops again, man. He taught me about the importance of serving. Like I can think of, of, of stories when I was just on the lily on the lily football teams, and it'd be moments where 
you know, my dad to make sure that uh, another another team, another teammate of mine has food on his plate before he even feed his family. Mm-hmm. So he showed me that process of, of being a servant leader and uh, making sure that you're taking care of everybody else before you get your way. So I think I just I just clone that and use that in, in football. I, I think one of the most effective ways of leadership is servant leadership. So I, I try to serve my teammates. And when, once you're able to give something to somebody, then now somebody is able to receive you actually talking. Like you, you got you got guys that don't like a lot of talking. You got guys that, that actually feed off rah-rah guys. But you also got some guys that sit in between. They're like, hey, I don't know this. He's talking a lot, but I really want to see what this guy is about. So when you go and approach that guy out of, out of, out of gratitude, out of humility and willing to serve him, that guy's then able better to receive you. So, uh, man, I learned that from my daddy by, by, by serving my teammates. And then when it's time to go out there and, and give it all you got, yep. they know, like, Jameis got my back regardless, right, because he's going to put it on the line for me. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's that's why I learned that. You know? Man, shout out to Mr. Winston, by the way. Tell him it's time for us <laughs> to have one of our football, com- football conversation. Me and him be going man. back and forth on the phone, man. Great individual, man. Great and individual. I'm blessed to have him. No doubt, no doubt. And talking about the actions – do you remember your first game? Who was who was it against? And your numbers. Let me see. Let me see what your mind is. Your first start with Florida Pittsburgh. State. Pittsburgh. Home or away? Away. Come on now. Is it Heinz Field? Yes, sir. Right. I was twenty five or twenty seven. And really, really, a ball didn't really touch the ground. I had one ball that touched the ground, and it was a throwaway. Mm-hmm. The one one incompletion was to Kenny Shaw in the left corner of the end zone, and they said and he, that they said they said they he was out of bounds, right? In. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I thought we was playing collision. I thought one foot was in. I didn't know you had to have two two yeah. feet in, in in college football. So so technically, you only had one legit incompletion, basically. Man, we had one ball that hit the ground all night. Like <laughs> I can think of, I can think about all the way from pregame. I think one ball probably hit the ground all night. Hey, I can tell you this much. I was watching that game and I said, man, we got us one. <laughs> you were just so calm. It was, it was, it was so exciting for me because, you know, we just had EJ, right? Who got drafted. And you know, whenever you lose a draftable player on the collegiate side of things, you don't know exactly who's going to follow him. You know what I mean? It's, mm-hmm. You rarely see universities go ahead and fulfill the shoes left by a drafted player to another drafted player. That, that usually don't happen. Man, when you stepped on the field, man, I think that first pass, I think might have went to Rashad Green. It was a hitch to the left. It was a hitch. And, you know, Rashad Mm -hmm. has always been smooth, you know what I mean? But it's just the rhythm that Mm -hmm. I was seeing, you know what I mean? When I watched the game, and, of course, you watched the game probably the same way, you look at the rhythm. You look at the Mm -hmm. timing. You know what I mean? You were throwing passes before these guys broke on an out route. I'm like, man, we might have us win. And like you said, that rhythm just continued throughout that ball game. It could continue throughout that entire season. And that 2013, I had Jimbo on, like I said, some months ago during the season. He still gets hyped about that 2013 team you guys were a part of. So mm-hmm. how magical that ride was for you? And at what point did you realize, like, yo, we the best in the country during the season? Did you realize, like, yo, we can win it all? Man, I had so much faith in our guys. Like, I felt that we should have won it all the year before, the year yeah. where I was sitting on the bench. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I was telling guys during that year, like, man, we gonna win this whole thing because I had faith in our guys then. So way before I even stra- strapped it up and became the starting quarterback before Jimbo named me the starting quarterback for Florida State, I knew we were gonna uh, get us a championship just because of the type of leaders and the type of men that we had in that locker room, Telvin Smith, 
of LaMarcus Joyner, Timmy Jernigan, right? Runner Darby, PJ Williams, Eddie Goldman. Like we had some dogs that were ready to play football. Terrence Brooks in the back yeah. end, Christian Jones. Like we had so many guys that were football players, Devontae Freeman, James Wilder. Like I could just name, I ain't even named my offensive line, Trey Jackson, Barbara Hart, Brian Stork, man, Jose Matuidi, Cam Irvin, like, Everyone was ready. Like, I haven't even named my all, the offense yet. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, we got KB and Shot and Kate, Kate, like, everybody, you know. And I was just excited about that team. And we, like, the camaraderie that we had, like, we were bulls. We were doing everything together. Like, it wasn't an odd man in the circle. Like, we were doing everything together. So, uh, you could feel that camaraderie. And, uh, we were going, we were going, we were, strapping them up versus anybody. Like, we weren't about anybody, you know. I, I believe I felt that way ever since, like, when I strapped it up, every time we hit the field, we felt that way versus anybody. Like, I, it, it didn't matter who the team was. Man, listen, real quick, uh, I want to know, could you give us that speech in in, in Death Valley in the locker room? <laughs> can, well, can, you give us, can you give us a little snippet of that? So I'll tell you kind of like how, like, how it kind of came up, you know, uh-huh. because being from Alabama, you know, you listen, you listen to a variety of musicians, you listen yep. to Boosie, you listen to Gucci. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, if you really was into Boosie, you know, you learn about Trio Savage and, you know, yeah, all your, your, your Webbies and, you know, well, I forgot my dog that say, uh, count my money backwards. So you learn about all these different people. So man, we was just bumping, bumping that Webby and that Boosie in the locker room, you know what I'm saying? I just got crumb like, Hey man, if we're going to do it, then we're going to do it big then. You know, I, I had to censor it out a little bit. Yeah. We just, we were bumping that. Timmy Jernigan, he was riding with me, you know, and we just letting him know, like, hey, we on this stage, you know, and, and this is what I spoke. I know Telvin gave like, man, we're on this stage. We, we belong on this stage. Like, we don't care what they got going on. We don't care about what happened the years prior. We don't care about all their hype that they have building around their program. We coming to today house on a big stage and we about to do it big. So if we going to do it, then we're going to do it big. Then. And that's how it was. And it was just electric. Like, and the main thing was we had to know we ain't going home without a victory. Like we yeah. not leaving, like we not leaving this locker room without a victory. So whatever they got going on, they can go slap the rock, dap them up or do whatever. We coming in there ready to lock and load and we taking home the victory. And we're going to be back in Tallahassee, turning up. So Lil Bootsy and Webby inspired that speech. Oh, man, to the fullest. <laughs> no question. No question. We got to get we gotta get this out to Lil Bootsy and Webby. Let them know, man, they was a part of that championship run. I know definitely oh, they'll be Boosie appreciative know. of that. Matter of fact, Boosie you know, know Lou, uh, Lou, Lou, uh, Lewis uh, played at Florida State. He, he Bootsy manager. They family members. So definitely we got to get this in their hands. Wow. Okay. Yo, yeah. No doubt. One question I have for you, and I've been having this debate with a lot of people, and they always say I'm biased, and sometimes I'm not going to lie. When it comes to Florida State, I, I am biased. I think I have a right to be. But when you look at some of the most iconic championship teams this last century, it seems like the 2013 Florida State Seminoles, they get overlooked, they get disrespected. And real quick, some of the names you were reading off to us, to the listeners and viewers that are currently checking us out here, All Things Covered. Every member, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, Jameis, every member, every starter on the offensive side, every starter on the defensive side got drafted, correct? Uh, yes, I believe so. Yeah. And you don't even want to factor in some of the role players who weren't starting right. at that time. Remember, you had a young Jalen Ramsey on that team. Yes. Who, yeah. who was a role player, you know, playing in mm-hmm. sub packages, things like that, who was a top 10 selection. Heck, you right. had the kicker who went second round. 
You know what I mean? So I don't even know if that's ever been done before where a championship team had all 22 starters get drafted and they were contributors to that said organization that drafted them. And with Mm -hmm. that being said, why do you think people overlook 2013 Florida State? They, they disrespect Florida State when you talk about some of the best championship teams of this last century. You don't necessarily hear Florida State at the top of the conversation. Why is that? Well, because one, they disrespect the ACC. I think that's the biggest, that's the biggest arg- argument that I have every time mm-hmm. I, I'm getting into an argument about our team versus any other team. They talk about the SEC versus ACC comparison. And all I have to say is like Florida State. Like, we didn't play all this gadget type of football. We lined up in the eye formation. We did outside, inside zone. We did one-back power, two-back power. We lined up pro-style football and kicked people's behind. Mm-hmm. Just the type of way that the SEC said that they play football, right? Like, you got to think about the wave that was happening during when we were playing. Those zone read wave teams, those teams that the Baylor exposing, that, that run-and-gun type of collegiate system was coming open and everybody was scoring these high points but mm-hmm. we were the only people doing it still in a pro style fashion under center so, under center yes under center like dropping back play action like doing it in college so teams then like teams don't even respect the numbers that we put up like That's we broke thing. records in in terms of points and yeah. defensive takeaways in the in the same year like we were so dominant but i mean to, yep. to each his own you know, Jimbo remembers everything. He had a cool stat that he brought to the table. He said LSU's championship team from over a year ago had maybe like maybe an extra eight points than you guys total offensively, offensive points that were scored. And they played one more ball game than you guys <laughs> did. And I think they had like an extra five points or something like that. You know what I mean? Right. So that tells you how dominant your team was. And for some reason, I don't know what it is. They just dis- disrespect. I think when you look at Florida State team, if you got all 22 starters that got drafted, along with multiple key role yes. players, that's the discussion. So when you talk about some of the elite championship teams of the last century, you know, you can throw in the old one, Miami Hurricanes. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got, you know, USC. You got uh, Texas, that Vince Young yes. Texas team. Uh, you got cl- clearly, you know, Clemson um, mm-hmm. and Alabama. Yeah. yeah, you got Alabama. You got quite a few different teams. You know, you got that Auburn team as well. But historically speaking, and numbers don't lie, that's how we assess certain things. We look yeah. at numbers, right? What your offense did, along with the guys that went on to get drafted, defensively, the takeaways and what you guys did and how you dominated. And you played against the best team in the, in the SEC mm-hmm. that year. You know yeah. what I mean? With, with an outstanding explosive offense. And you got to have Florida State in the, in, in, at the top of that conversation, in my opinion. Yeah. But let's see. Let's spark a debate. You guys who are watching us currently, who are listening to us, let us know what you think. Why Florida State receiving so much disrespect that 2013 championship? Should they be in the top three? Should they be number one, number two? Clearly shouldn't be out of the top five. I know that much for sure. Let us know nah, what you think. No way. No doubt. No doubt. And upon your success, you know, when you look at what you did as a quarterback collegiately, this is another question I want to have and get your personal response from this. Mm-hmm. I just talked about the disrespect the team received. They also tend to disrespect you. Your <laughs> freshman year, redshirt freshman year, the best player in college football. You can't even argue that. You know why? Because mm-hmm. you won the Heisman. At that time, you became the youngest person, the youngest player to win the Heisman. And most recently, Lamar Jackson 
He became mm-hmm. the youngest play, player by five days. So yeah. you're older than Lamar. You were older than Lamar Jackson by five days. But that's how long you set history. And mm-hmm. when you look at your career in two years, 65 touchdowns, almost 8,000 yards, mm-hmm. 7,964 to be exact. In two years of play, and you won the Heisman. But every time I hear different media outlets talk about some of the best college quarterbacks to play the game the last century, I never see your name in the top of the conversation as well. Why is that? Again, it's because our system. You know, you think about the second year that we had, we're still playing our we're still playing a pro-style system, and we're coming back and winning games. Teams are used for the dominant team. They're just beating everybody, and they're like, oh, we'll see them at the end of the year. But we're actually having real games. Like, I can think about the, the Louisville uh, game, to be exact, where we're down three touchdowns going to halftime, and people writing us On out, the road. We're coming, On the road. You know what I'm saying? And we're coming back and beating them. So people, it, people I don't know why they disrespect us. They got to look at how much we overcame during that year, especially the year when we lost the game to Oregon. And we had that we had that game won. Uh, it was a, a inches call when I didn't get in the, uh, the end zone right before the half. That changed all Man, the momentum. It, yes, it, it changed the, the whole outcome of the game. But, you know, it's to each his own, man. Like, we know one thing that we have as that 2013 team. We know that we've always been in the history books for winning the national championship. We know how resilient we were during the 2014 season. Like we we all know this, man. People got their own opinion. Yeah. You know, I think they are entitled to their own opinion. But if we want to go to the Walmart parking lot and strap up all these teams together, we're gonna <laughs> go and compete. Let's just go and compete. Let's see where they at now. <laughs> if you had to rank some of the best quarter college quarterbacks that did what you did, you know what I mean? Yeah. Who would be in that ranking if you can give me a top three or top five? And you can include yourself as well. When you look at some of the best quarterbacks this last century in college football, you know, who would you have in that list? Man, well, the first person that come to mind, the person you already said, Lamar Jackson, I think mm-hmm. he had an incredible collegiate career. Deshaun Watson had an amazing collegiate career. When you think about one of my favorite, most favorite players, Ever. And I know you're talking about quarterbacks, right? You're talking about yeah. quarterbacks? Yeah, I'm talking about quarterbacks. All right. Well, Cam New, one of my favorites ever. Like, yeah. we, we just think about how he came and set the tone in 2010. He changed – him and Ghost Malzahn changed the whole outlook on college football when they brought in a different type of zone option, quarterback read, like that – I don't know, that gunning, running air raid type of offense with the uh, RPO thing. Like, they changed the whole world when they came to SEC and did that. Mm-hmm. The Oklahoma quarterbacks Baker and Kyler, they yep. showed out. They were outstanding in their in their systems. And you can add Jalen Hurts to that. Like, like every year you got these quarterbacks putting up different numbers, man. But like it's tough to put it's tough to put those guys, like I would say, like rank those guys because all of us had unique years. Yeah, you could throw like, Joe Burrow you, in there too. Joe Burrow. I, that's what I'm saying. I didn't even I didn't even put him in there and he got all the statistics. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, we, we not even talking about Trevor Lawrence, right? Like, it's, like, it's year after year, these guys are just coming in and having a made, we're not talking about Tua, what Tua did mm-hmm. his second year, uh, what the Mac Jones boy did last year. <laughs> Mac Jones went you know, crazy. Dude. Like, when you talk about quarterback, you gotta talk about, I think it has to go year, year to year, because I'm, I'm, I grew up an Oklahoma fan. Yeah. And a person that I admire was Sam Bradford too. Yeah. Like, he, he was definitely, he was definitely, 
the most accurate quarterback I've ever seen. Like when it just comes to someone just putting the ball on the money, like just for my eyes, he was he was one of the most accurate I ever seen. But but when you ask a quarterback, I got so much respect for our position. Like if you mm-hmm. ask me who my favorite player was, I'd be like, well, probably Vince Young or Reggie Bush. Reggie Bush is the most is probably everybody's favorite collegiate player. But when yeah. you start when you go to naming quarterbacks, you you got different systems. You got people like RG three who had an incredible collegiate run. You know what I'm saying? But he and Lamar Jackson, you know, they their seasons kind of get canceled out because they didn't win the national yeah. championship. Yeah. Or they yeah. were in contention for that. But they had incredible seasons. So you got a lot of stuff that 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 varies, you know, that decision. No, no doubt. I mean it's but I put, I, I'm in I'm in the top three. <laughs> I, you I don't make- know how many quarterbacks. Um I don't know how many quarterbacks in that in in all the count that I said only lost one game in college. Yeah. What, I, your record was what twenty six and one, twenty five and one. It was twenty six and one, but only lost one game. I don't know. I don't know anyone who probably Cam. Cam didn't lose any at Blend, but he lost some in Florida. But I mean, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I mean that that's big. That and, yeah. and like you said, I mean when you talk about quarterbacks, that overall record means something yeah. along with the hardware that you were able to. Uh, capture. So, hey, I mean, that's up for debate. And like I said, I love having barbershop talk. And even for the women out there who love football, y'all can have salon talk. Man, right. my guy James should definitely be in that conversation. And he has the facts to back that statement. Upon all, because of all the success you had at Tallahassee, uh, you know, you get drafted first overall to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, what was the state of the organization at that time when you got drafted, number one? Well, the state of the organization, I mean, we I was drafted number one for a reason. Mm-hmm. When you talk about the NFL, you think about how they get players, how players come into an organization. And you just, it's different than college where everybody in college, we got this, we got this goal, right? We got this goal. Let's get to, let's get to the league. We want to be the yep. best players ever, right? But it's like when you get to the league, it's not like everybody's goal is to, I want to be in the Hall of Fame. Like that's not everybody. Some people's goal are, is, I'm just happy I got this money and and that's it. Mm-hmm. Like so, I, I I don't I don't know like as an organization I can't tell you how our organization was when I first came in. I know as a as in terms of a winning culture, yeah. we went winning many, many games when I had came in. So yeah. uh, I just came in ready to work and ready to compete because I felt like no matter what, <laughs> hopefully I can turn this thing around and we can go to war and win some games. No doubt, no doubt. And speaking of winning games, describe your emotions seeing Tampa win a Super Bowl after being at the forefront of the rebuilding process early in right. your career. Man, I I just wish I was able to be a part of that, mm-hmm. you know. And I and I still look back and I was just like, okay, so I'm I'm somehow a part of that, right? In terms of just the mentality and the teammates that I build, uh, countless of of hours and countless of work with. But at the end of the day. I'm excited to my for my team as that's all I can be because mm-hmm. like I said, now I, I have to I have to earn, like I have to find I, I'm blessed that I have another opportunity to, for me to earn a Lombardi trophy. I, I always say if it if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. Yeah. And it was meant for them to win that Super Bowl this year. And I'm doing everything I can to earn me a Super Bowl. Like that's that's the mentality. Like mm-hmm. I can't sit here and hate on my teammates. No doubt. Like, man, yeah, I wanted to, yeah, I wanted to be a part of a Super Bowl. Like, I live here. No I want to be, I, I, I want to be, tone, I want to be throwing, uh, Lombardi trophies across boats. 
what I'm saying? <laughs> but but at the end of the day, I want to be competing and being a star quarterback in this league and mm-hmm. get my ch- get my team opportunity to win a football. Like, I can't take that away from them. Like no that's what I want, man. No question, no I'm question. Have you spoke to any of your former teammates since they won? Absolutely. I congratulated <laughs> everybody that everybody that I that I could think of in that organization. Man, I sent them a text and congratulated them. You know because uh, I I had a chance to to be with uh, BA and you know those coaches for one year, and I saw like how how they were coming in with a new mentality. They were coming in uh, mean in business, you know, and and you could see the shift and how they were handling things, getting new chefs in, getting getting new doctors in to help out with uh with recovery methods, like being innovative in, in the weight room and, and this and that and the other. Like you saw the the strides that they took and it paid off. But now I'm with the Saints. No question. You compete against them two times and as you saw last year, maybe three times a year. Yes, sir. Right? So it's at the, at the end, it's love, man. I love all my teammates. I love being able to compete with Mike Evans, one of the best uh, receivers in the game. But I love being able to go right down the road and compete with Mike Thomas, arguably <laughs> one of the other best receivers in the game. You know no what I'm question. saying? Like, I got some of those memories, like being able to play with Chris Godwin, uh, have centers like Ryan Jensen, like, you know, like being able to play with great linebackers like Levante David. Like, you think of those people that, that I came into Tampa with, like Levante, Will Ghost, and Cameron Brake, Mike, Mike Evans. Like those guys that end up winning the Super Bowl that were there with me mm-hmm. uh, during those days where, you know, we, we weren't winning every game, during those, you know, bump in the road days. And for those guys to earn them a Super Bowl, it's hats off to them. You know what I'm saying? Like that's, that's love for them. Yeah, no doubt. And it's extra motivation for you. You know what I mean? And, and you take that motivation and run with it and try to go get that sticky Lombardi. You know what Man, I mean? I'm getting so, closer to my dream because it's right here. It's right here in my backyard. Yes, literally. sir. <laughs> <laughs> it's literally no in my doubt. backyard. Let's go back a year ago, right? A year ago, mm-hmm. late March. You're a free agent. And I remember working at CBS Sports HQ. I did a segment. And I was like, the best place for Jameis was the New Orleans Saints. People was like, nah, man, you don't know what you're talking about. You know, anytime you give any type of analysis on a situation or a player or a team, people might agree with you. A lot of people might not agree with you. I'm like, man, right. it makes sense. I said, it makes all the sense in the world. People were hitting me up on Twitter. Oh, you don't know what you're talking about. Like, that's not going to happen. Instantly, Jameis signs with the New Orleans Saints. Appreciate you for allowing that to happen because everybody <laughs> thought I was some type of gypsy because I was coming up with these different scenarios that were coming to fruition, right? But what led to you signing with the New Orleans Saints and Sean Payton? Man, it was Drew Brees, you know. Mm. It was the reason why the NFL Network, you know, had a whole day about this man. You know, it was, it was him. Did you have a relationship yeah. with Drew Brees before signing with the Saints? So I, I had a relationship with him prior. I would text him occasionally, but I, 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 did, I did not have a real in-depth relationship with him before I joined the team. Uh-huh. Uh, but I've always admired him from afar. I mean, and I mean – from day one, I mean, being a, a young African-American quarterback growing up watching Drew Brees in my neck of the woods, right? Seeing the limitations that he had, you know, as, as a six-one or a six-foot quarterback, you know, going against the ranks of, you know, other quarterbacks in the area, right? You know, this Drew Brees, you know, 09, they, they won a, a Super Bowl out of Katrina. Like, this is mm-hmm. this is during the time, you know, think about – Think about this time, man. Drew Brees won the championship. Cam Newton won the championship for Auburn the next year. Like, I'm growing up in this era, you know. So those are two quarterbacks that I've always just looked up looked up to, you know, from a championship perspective. So getting yeah. a chance to not only work with him 
and work with the head coach that's been with them all those years it was very eye-opening to me. And uh, I just was ready to go, go to a team who uh, showed that they, they can win, right? These, the Saints, they've always, they, they've won, right? They, they've been on top of our division over the course of the last five years. So mm-hmm. I couldn't turn down that opportunity. No question. And I think the best is yet to come. And when you look at last year, right, a very, very difficult year, unprecedented type season, you know, things are going great for the New Orleans Saints. And then, boom, injury happened to Drew Brees. And I remember that was one of the more talked about stories that week of when Drew went down. Who's going to be the starting quarterback? Taysom Hill, Jameis Winston. Who's going to be? When you found out that they were going with Taysom, what was your reaction? What was your response? What kind of conversation did you have with Sean Payton? My main conversation with Coach Sean was like, hey, Coach, like I'm I'm here to compete, period. But at the same time, I got to go back to where Aunt Winston taught me. And it's like, first, I'm here to serve. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Taysom earned his right to, to get an opportunity to go and play quarterback, yep. right? He's been in this program for four or five years. Obviously, just because I walk in the door don't, don't make things necessarily change, right? But at the same time, I had to, communicate with everyone like hey i'm i'm here to compete right but at at the same time i understand i understand what my role is in this organization right now right and we rolled off and we want we want some football games right Mm -hmm. Taysom led us to the point where he allowed drew to come back and and compete make us make us get a competitive edge of winning the super bowl yeah uh but that was another part of that last year where i had to really just be humble man like obviously i we were in training camp, but we were competing this entire time. You know what I'm saying? And I felt how I felt. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, it's not about how you feel. It's about what it is. And yep. when it's something is presented to you, it is what it is. Now, how are you going to persevere? How are you going to prosper when, when it gets thrown in your face? How are you going to prosper when you have to, when you have to work with your teammates day in, day out? And you know, you get conversations, you hit a, a conversation, you hit a bell's ringing, but now mm-hmm. it's, now is what are you going to do? These people talking, but they're not in the mix, baby. As mm-hmm. you know, we in the mix. So at the end of the day, we still have to go to work. We still have to give the defense the best look. Cause I'm still a scout team quarterback. I still got to be focused on giving the defense the best look and yep. understanding like, Hey, my time may come at any given moment. I think that's the most, uh, missed thing uh, out there. It's not necessarily, Hey, you need to be doing this. It's about the opportunity. If you get yeah. an opportunity, you got to maximize on that opportunity. Whenever that opportunity came. Mm-hmm. So you, we talk about, we talk about Tampa, right? And we just be real, right? We talk about how do you feel about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers winning the Super Bowl? Mm-hmm. Well, as a, as a competitor, I'm like, Hey man, I missed that opportunity to win the Super Bowl with that team. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? As a human, like as a man, like I'm a real person. I'm just like, man, I wish I could have won it with them. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, those wishes don't matter. They all the same. I missed the opportunity and I wish I won it with them. I wish yeah. I could have been a strong quarterback. Mm-hmm. Right. But that opportunity didn't present itself. Now the Lord blessed me to resign with the Saints to have a wonderful opportunity to be a strong quarterback again. Now it's presenting itself. Now it's just action. Right. <laughs> like how do we how do we get to that action? Right. We we have so much fluff and so much stuff being fed through us through so many different outlets. And yeah, man, emotionally as human beings, you know how it is being a human being football player. You like, man, okay, I understand that. I see, but man, hey, like, man, I want to get in there and play too. But when you, when you understand that as a quarterback, mm-hmm. you got to take the bullet for everybody, man. No question. That's why you get everybody. paid all the money. You know what I'm saying? For, yeah. for everyone. And I'm willing to take that bullet, especially when I'm new to an organization, 
right? And I see this man, Taysom, I'm talking about, coming in, working hard day in, day out. And he, he earned he earned that. You know what I'm saying? But I ain't going to say that I didn't want to play because I no, did. Exactly. But he earned that, you know? And when you look at, you know, the Hall of Famer, you know, uh, in Drew Brees, he announced his decision to retire on the eve of free agency. Did you, you know, did you know he was going to retire or was it, you know, surprising news to you when you heard it? Man, it was surprising to me. You know, I was actually out of town with my with my wife for her birthday. Mm-hmm. Uh, he retired on her birthday, bro. And she told me, you know, on her birthday, because she grew up a, a New Orleans Saints fan. You know, she was like, hey, you know, Drew Brees signed with the Saints today because she followed the Saints pages and she always gave me the updates and stuff about the social media. Yeah. And so we sitting there, we on the beach, got our feet kicked up and she sleep. I hear over there snoring. I check, get, I was like, hey, Drew Brees retired. <laughs> and she like, oh, okay. And she go back. I said, no, Drew Brees didn't retire. <laughs> like, so I'm like, man, once this news break, I'm just like, like, I'm like, man, what am I going to say? Yeah. What am I going to say to to Drew? Like, he means so much to me. Like, I, I just go into, like, into this days, like, man, like, I never think that this day would come that, that Drew Brees would say that he retired because, you know, as a competitor, I'm just like, okay, okay, when is Drew, when is Drew about to retire? Like, is Drew ever going to retire? Yeah. But at the same time, as a, a fan of this man my entire life, admiring him from afar my entire life, I'm just like, like, me and my, no, no lie. Me and my wife, like, almost in tears. We just like, man, Drew Brees, like, you know how much Drew Brees that meant to our life, right? Yeah. Cause she grew up, she grew up a Saints fan, right? And I grew up always telling her how much I love the little, the little, the little short man in New Orleans, like, <laughs> how, how I always expressed that love for him in, in that manner. You know what I'm saying? Like, she, she knew this about me. So when that day happened on her birthday, like, I was like, oh, wow, that's significant. You know what I'm saying? And then it's like free agency just turned around. I got a call from my agent and everything just started rolling. No question. You know? So obviously I had to snap back to reality. But at the same time, I was just like, it was a surreal moment for me because I wanted to give Drew Brees all the respect that he deserved, all the time that he need uh, to, to make his decision, man, because I just have got so much respect for him. And you're talking about Drew Brees retiring. You said the phone started ringing. We know you signed a one-year deal with the New Orleans Saints, but did you ever consider another organization or was there another organization extremely close with the saints in acquiring your services? Yeah, man, you know, I had a few teams that wanted to, to allow me to, to have the opportunity to be their starting quarterback. Do you want to share those teams? Right. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sharing, you know, names. <laughs> uh, we just, cause you know, this is a warrior deal. We got to keep everything open. <laughs> no question. Okay. Hey, smart no, man's always no, thinking about no, the man. business. No, I had, I had teams uh, mm-hmm. that, that, allowed me to come in and, and compete for a starting spot. And, and one team in particular said that, hey, it was going to be my, my show. Mm. Um, but but at the same time, man, this year in free agency was so much different than last year in free agency because last year it was just the the uncertainty, right, and me wondering, like, okay, am I going back to Tampa? Like, what's happening there? But this year it was just like, hey, man, I'm prepared. I'm prepared. Like, I, I've learned so much. Over, over the course of this year, being able to see really three offenses, like people just look at me being at, at New Orleans, being with Drew and learning from Sean Payne and him. But I got a chance to see, you know, arguably two of the greatest quarterbacks of all time in this division, the NFC South, yep. Tom Brady, Drew Brees. I got to see Tom Brady play in the same offense toward the beginning of the year that I played in mm-hmm. last year. 
I got to see Drew Brees, the master of this offense, playing this offense this year. And I got a chance to see another great quarterback in Matt Ryan playing Dirk Cutter's offense, uh-huh. the, the offense that I was in four years prior. Yeah. So when I tell you, I had so much film and so much information to, to learn about what I liked as a quarterback, what I liked as a call, what type of concepts am I comfortable with versus certain type of looks that I would have never got a chance to, to learn if I didn't have a year just being Drew, Drew Brees backup. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? If I, if I'm still the, the strong quarterback for organization, right? I'm not so in tuned into these two opponents in my, the same organization that I'm with their offensive schemes and seeing them on a, on a day to day basis of their offense just because I got to because I'm, I'm studying different teams that they're playing against. Right. So that is the true like education that I was able to get. I was able mm-hmm. to, to get some clarity in these offensive schemes, just seeing like the decisions that these quarterbacks were making, right? The decisions that these quarterbacks were not making uh, that I'm capable of making. So getting that overall perspective was excellent, bro. Mm-hmm. Like I'm telling you, like I love <laughs> uh, being in the field room. I love studying Tom Brady and Matt Ryan and Drew Brees. Right. You know, you said something that caught my attention, you know, during the free agent agency uh free agent period you had a team that basically said this is your job we're giving you the keys you told that organization no to go back to new orleans where sean payton basically has already come out and, and said he foresees a quarterback competition you don't usually see players do that you know what i mean mm-hmm. but tell us why did you do, why did you turn down a potential starting job to come back to new orleans to compete for a job well because i'm gonna have to compete wherever i go mm-hmm at, at the end of the day, like just because someone says, hey, this is your job, yeah. doesn't take out the competitive process. You're right. You know what I'm saying? So uh, and Coach Sean can say, hey, this is going to be a competition. And, the, and I, I embrace that. Right. It was going to be a competition wherever I went. Mm-hmm. We, we're, we're competing. We're competing. But like when you're a free agent quarterback, and you're not drafted to an organization. Right. And you ain't get this big old sign deal where a team yeah. is committing themselves to you. It's a competition. You, you know this. You, hey, it's a competition. Is a competition. Yeah. Resume, mean, resume means nothing in those situations. Yeah. No one cares <laughs> about a first round pick no. and this, that. Like, no, it's, it's competition time. And that's what you got to thrive in regardless, no yeah. matter where you at. No question. It makes sense. And I think, I think being familiar with what they're doing in New Orleans, you know, played a big part in you deciding to come back because like you said, being able to learn from Sean Payton, you know, take what you learned from Drew Brees in that same offense. You got players surrounding you. I mean, it makes sense. And they, it's not like they, they're, they're paying you kibbles and bits. You know what I mean? So, you know, it's not like you're getting paid kibbles and bits, but uh, it makes sense. And I'm all, I'm all for it. As long as you happy, you know, we got to right. be happy. We got to love it as well. So it, it all makes sense. And you said before that you feel like you're on the cuffs of being a real good quarterback. You know what I mean? Taking your talents and just swarming through the roof and being consistent. You know, what are you trying to do? to be better equipped to take that opportunity when it comes and be the best quarterback that you can be compared to what we've seen in years past? You know, I, I think that's been my biggest greatness and biggest curse mm-hmm. that I'm always trying to do something, right? I'm always going the extra mile to do something. I'm always laying myself on the line to do something. But I think the biggest thing that I learned is what not to do, right? Mm-hmm. I had to learn what I don't need to be doing for us to win these games. What I don't need to be doing 
for us, for me to be a consistent day in, day out football player. And I think that's the that's the mastery of it. You know, it's it's about making great decisions. And one thing I learned from Drew Brees that I'm going to take with me forever is that, man, we need to we need to judge ourselves on the decision and not the result. You know, so much of my career, so much of my life, I've been just like I'm having a good day if I if I had a great day. Like if the result says that I had a great day, man, I had an excellent day. But eventually the results going to start to fade, but the decisions, they, they stack up. The, yeah. de- the decisions will eventually get to get you where you want to be at over a course of time. So, man, I've been, I've been just studying really the art of making the decisions, man. I, I met with a grandmaster, uh, in chess mm. and I, I, I'll speak. You're a good to, chess uh, player, man. I, I can dabble in it. I can dabble in it. Uh, I, 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 speak in, <laughs> I speak into, uh, you know, a variety of, of, of generals and, uh, as sergeants in the military, uh-huh. uh, really just trying to gain a perspective of, hey, man, when y'all put in tough situations, uh, because I believe that the quarterback position, uh, I know they say a lot of people try to seem like it's not an athletic position, but it's one of the, the toughest, quickest processing positions in of all sports. You got to think so fast. When you are in, so when you're in that pocket, when you're under that center, you have to be able to make the best decision, sometimes pre-snap for your organization, not just for your team, but for your organization. Mm-hmm. Right. So uh, just getting a perspective of how these men and women of high places make decisions yeah. uh, and, and how how do they how do they go about making those decisions? No doubt. I mean, that's magnificent to hear about the improvement when it comes to the cerebral nature of the game. But you also have changed some things when it comes to the body side of things as well. Uh, you recently uh, switched to a vegan diet. You know, are you still following that and how are you enjoying that? So I, I, I follow it occasionally, man. Occasionally. The vegan, okay. The, yeah. oh, the vegan you... diet, the vegan, the vegan diet was last year, man, where really for the entire year. So the beginning of the year for the first, uh, after January 17th, man, I went three months strong, not eating any meat during the week. Now, Saturday, Saturday, three months strong. Saturday, I, I ate what I wanted to eat, but yeah, uh-huh. I felt different, man. I gained, I, I, I lost so much weight, bro. Mm-hmm. I can say it now, but man, I got down to two oh seven. What? Two? I'm talking about high school. <laughs> I'm talking about high school, James. Really, like wow. me stepping foot on Florida State's campus, you know. And it was just a good refresher. But what it allowed me to do was really build a true foundation with my body, mm-hmm. right? Because I felt like in college, me being training in football and then having to go to baseball, like I never got that full off season of football training. Yeah. Like that, that, that strength in that, in that football type of condition, like baseball, like, yeah, we, we, go, we get after it, but it's so many, so many different type of techniques, uh, in, in baseball, uh, that, that I, that I did that I wasn't really getting, uh, from the baseball gym that I would get from a football, yeah. uh, perspective. No doubt. So other than that, man, it's just, it's been fun to see how food can elevate your body and routine. Mm-hmm can like change the course of your entire really lifestyle during the season, man, for Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday morning, I went vegan and it just, you could see like the, the way that I start practicing the way I just got more locked in because I wasn't allowing all the outside things to get, get involved in a way because I was thinking like, Man, I'm probably not gonna eat no meat tonight. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like, I'm just like, man, like, 
I'm not even worried about what I'm what I'm eating tonight. You know what I'm saying? Because I know it ain't gonna be nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, no question. So it it just it, it it was just a part of it was a new lifestyle for me, man, and it was it was fun. And with that being said, talking about the the, the diet, the new lifestyle, uh, where did Eat a W come from when you ate that W? <laughs> <laughs> man, Eat a W comes a long way, man. I've been doing that over the course of my entire football career. Uh-huh. Uh, I just think the time that I did it uh, against New Orleans that it year, it was, it was one of the worst times ever to do it. It's yeah. because we lost. Yeah. yeah. Um, that that year was so it was challenging, man. We were trying, we were trying to will a win, and uh, and I brought out one of my old faithfuls. Yeah, and uh, in the light that it said uh, wasn't the light that I was expecting. Uh, yeah, but if you ask all my Florida State boys, they didn't ate a W before. <laughs> so this is this has been a reoccurring thing because you just did it this last year, uh, this past year, right? When they was yeah. interviewing Drew, and you yeah. you creeped up on the camera and you brought out. Eat a W. You, yeah, hey, man. Hey, hey, James, you tripping. You need to trademark that. What you doing? <laughs> you need to get some shirts. Man, we got to get this thing rolling for real. You know y'all uh, going to get it rolling. You know Sean Payton ain't <laughs> playing around. You know y'all going to get it rolling. So when y'all nah. get that thing rolling, you might need to get some uh, eat, eat a W. And you need to have that hey. same picture they they took when you were right next to Drew. Mm-hmm. When you eat that W, you had that same picture. Trust, trust, trust me, man. We 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 get this thing rolling. We're gonna see a lot of things come out, man. No doubt, no doubt. Make sure you send me an E W shirt too whenever you get that thing rolling. <laughs> you will, brother. You definitely gonna get one. <laughs> Last question before we uh, transition to the superlative part of our show. Could you, can you break down the fun beef you have with Aaron Donald? Man, <laughs> I think it's, it starts from game one with AD. Man, like when he played at Pitt, you yeah. know, I knew he was uh, a great player. Uh, just watching him play, like I could just, I just saw his motor and just the way that he moved. But even from that game, man, he was all over me. Like every game we play, he's all over me, hitting my arm, hitting me late, tackling yeah. me, slamming, slamming my head in the ground. But he just don't get the sack, you know. So I always <laughs> and he's yet to sack you, right? He hasn't sacked you yet, right? Man, I don't, he ain't sacked me. He ain't sacked me out of the eight years we've played against each other. Yeah, he has not sacked me. Right. Bad. So, so, you know, I, I just, I have fun with it when I, when mm-hmm. I see him, but man, he's such, he, he's such a dog in them trenches, man. When you find a dog in them trenches that you can just, you can, you can make them, you can make them go a little extra hard so you can slide up in their pocket just a little bit. Yeah. You do it, man, because no that's, question. that's somebody that you always got your eye on and that you always trying to protect against. There you have it. Now we're going to transition to the superlative part of the show. And James talked about playing quarterback and how quick you got to be on your feet, how, you know, your right. reaction precise with your decision making. Let's see exactly how that transitions when it comes to questions, when he's not trying to avoid defenders, but he's getting asked rapid fire questions. So the first question for All you, right. most memorable play at Florida State, the most memorable oh, play. Touchdown to KB, the winning national championship game with a touchdown. <clears throat> what, what was that play call? You remember? Uh, I think it was, uh, I write, uh, 247 UConn Hmm. And he ran a corner route? Max, was that a max, seven? Max 247 UConn post. He ran a seven cut? Was that a corner? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. No, no, he, he ran, he ran a post. So it was, 
on the back side, we had the Yukon kind of stuff uh-huh. with the Expo. Real quick, so what I want you to do, Jameis, because our listeners love when they get chance to get be educated, football terminology. Break down the play and what it meant for the people that were involved in the play. So you say so, max cut 247? So we, so we were in I, so we mm-hmm. were in the I formation, mm-hmm. which KB was our Z receiver, so he was, line, he was lining up to the right. Mm-hmm. We were in 22 personnel, so we had two fullbacks, two tight ends, one receiver. One, one wide receiver, yep. One receiver. Okay, so the the action was supposed to show, to show a downhill inside uh, zone. Mm-hmm. So what we were doing, I was going to fake because we were like on the three. We were going to fake downhill, mm-hmm. get the backers to suck up, safeties to suck up, hit KB, just a high ball on the back of his head. Him or nobody, let him dunk on somebody. <laughs> That's what y'all call it, him yeah. or nobody? Yeah, him or nobody. We called it goalposts. Like the thing about that, me and KB used to play a game in the summer because the way that we got, I got KB to do extra routes, we had to play games. Whether mm-hmm. he dunking on, on, on the goalpost or he making one hand catches. Right. Yeah. So literally we will always finish up with him going across the back end line and me just throwing a high as I can get and seeing, seeing how high he can get up and, to, and get both feet in bounds, not uh-huh. just one. Yeah. So man, we practiced that play so many times. Wow. Came in handy for you guys during that uh, drive. One of the more memorable Florida State drives, I think, in school history, to be exact. You know, earlier in the show, we talked about how prolific that team was with all 22 starters getting drafted. But who was the best FSU player on that championship team in 2013 that didn't get drafted? Kenny Shaw. Mm. Kenny Shaw was the coldest slot receiver in college football. Little Snoop Menace. I used to call Kenny Little Snoop Menace. Oh my goodness. Like that yeah. was one of the easiest questions. Like it was unbelievable that he didn't get drafted. Yeah. Like I don't I don't know why he didn't. But me and him, like, man, we were out there literally, hey Kenny, run the scene. He like, okay. <laughs> like he's ready. <laughs> like he's ready. Like we can burn third and extra longs. Like he's catching yeah. everything, man. So, Shoot that long pass against Boston College. Yes. Right half. Def- definitely Kenny Shaw, man. Oh my yeah. God. Okay. NFL question for you. Best wide receiver in the NFC South. Oh man, you so that's that's I don't know why you're doing that to me, man. I had two <laughs> incredible rock wide outs, man. And mm-hmm. Chris Gall and Mike Evans. Oh my mm-hmm. god. They yes, were dogs. Did. Yeah. But yeah. man, you know, you know this division. Oh my god. Yeah. Julio yeah. and Calvin Ridley. Mm-hmm. MT. Oh my yeah. gosh. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Man, I, you I gotta think quick. You say quarterbacks you think quick, right? I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Mike. Mike. Okay. I mean, t- technically, you can say Mike. You could say Julio. <laughs> you could say Mike Evans. I think whoever is listening to your answer would be like, I see the reason. Listen, I'm just gonna say Mike. So you could put Mike anywhere. <laughs> Mike, Mike, anyway, whoever, whatever Mike you talk about. Oh, you ever? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. You, you gotta get you got right one of me. You just said Mike. But, you didn't give me a last name. I, I, I I'm just gonna say Mike because every one of every one of the receivers Michael Jordan's man every one of the goat. Tell you. All right, this should be a little easier for you. Best quarterback in NFL history. Best quarterback in NFL history. Well, I mean, you trying to get me to say Tom Brady? Like you know it's Tom no, Brady, man. I'm like just, I, I don't know. I mean, I just, he's yeah NFL history. Some people say Tom is the best winner, but he ain't the best quarterback. Well, come on, like. If we that's what, like what do, what do we judge quarterbacks off of that, winning, right? I don't say that. I don't say that. But you know when you talk when you have these type of debates, and granted, 
you're nowhere close to being retired. But when you get retired and you have these sit downs with different folks that are watching football games, they come up with different scenarios. I agree with you. I think Tom Brady is definitely the best quarterback. Like if, if we want to talk about one of my favorite quarterbacks, I'm going to say Drew Brees just because yeah. of the impact that he had on me. But no question. if you just ask me a quick question, I'm going to say Tom Brady because he got seven Super Bowls. No question. And counting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, so, he got seven. Okay. <laughs> I like what you did there. I like what you did there. Best baseball player in the NFL right now. Oh, man. I want to say me, but Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson, they, they good. Wait a minute. So I, I, I see the logic with Kyler Murray because, you know, he was a, I mean, he could have went to baseball and eventually made a lot of money. But Russell is a better baseball player than you? No, I, I just want to get them props. Okay. They good. Yeah. yeah but, I got you. That makes I, sense. I want, I want to say me. I just said both on just to be, okay. just to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> no question. Last question for you. We're going to, we're going to wrap it up. Can't wait to hear your answer for this one. Best speech you ever gave either at FSU or in the league. But what's the best speech you ever gave? You talked about we're going to do it. We're going to do it real big earlier. Clemson game 2013, Florida State. But we know you've been a man to give many speeches to get the guys motivated. But what's one of the best speech speeches you, you, you've given? Man, I done gave some great speeches in my, my, my lifetime. Can I tell you one of my favorite ones? Please tell me. Man, Florida State, you weren't even playing. You had on your, your sweats and you said, we some dogs. You remember that one? Oh. <laughs> <ain't no> <laughs> yeah, it was yeah it's like, you remember that one <laughs> man i don't like the thing is i remember but they come from my heart yeah it's almost they like for you it's like heart, a freestyle dude. it's not like you write them down it you is. just react yeah it's just a freestyle it is. you just like i'm, not, what's on I'm your not meditating i'm not meditating what i'm gonna say to the team mm-hmm. before a game yeah like that's that's why like when people be like worst pre-game speech best pre-game like it's the moment yeah that you're capturing is what makes it like the best pregame, and you gotta win, right? If you lose, you can get like I just seen like one of the saddest pregame speeches in the world is that Friday Night Lights pregame speech, <laughs> right? Because it gets you crying, and then they go out there and lose, they and lose. now you real sad because they didn't lost. You know what I'm saying? And like you're like, man, that was a good movie, but they lost, so you don't know how to take it. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I take I, that, I, but I, I, I don't know. I think, I'm glad you clarified that because I think a lot of people when they hear you know these players give these speeches in the middle of the huddle or in the locker room, they kind of think it was rehearsed. No, it's it's, yeah. it's coming off the moment. That's what makes it yeah. so special. You know what I mean? Yeah. Depending on who you're playing against, depending on the atmosphere, depending on the timing, that just determines what that said player is going to say to the mm-hmm. team to rally the troops and get the troops going. But everybody can't do that. That's a special yeah. talent to have because not a lot of people can get in the middle of the locker room, gather the guys, we all listen. And you give us quality, a quality speech to get us fired up. So, mm-hmm. hey, that, that's a special talent to have. Man, that about sums it up here. All things covered. Patrick Peterson, Brian McFadden, outstanding conversation with Jameis Winston. Just signed that new deal with the New Orleans Saints. He's fired up for this upcoming season. All right, so let me get this straight. Are you still on the vegan diet or are you not really? Yeah, I, I still, I still dabble in it. Right, right now it is Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Okay. Yeah. Right. Outside that weekends, man, I'm easy. No question. It only makes sense. Yeah. It only makes sense, man. Man, special thanks for joining us here on the show, man. Man, tell your family I said hello. Make sure you tell your dad to hit me up, man. It's time for some football talk. I will. I will, <laughs> brother. All right, be safe. Best of luck this upcoming season. All right. Thank you, bro. We want to remind everyone that you can find us on Instagram at All Things Covered Pod. Each week, we give clues on our next guest, and the first person to guess correctly 
gets a follow and a shout out on the pod. So we have to shout out Zach Kushta, who guessed Nick Saban and Robert underscore RSG13, who guessed Mel Blunt. Again, follow us at All Things Covered Pod for the very best content from the show. Thanks again to Jameis Winston, and thanks to everyone for listening to this episode of All Things Covered. If you like what you hear, make sure you subscribe and leave a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. We'll be back again soon, where you can expect all things to be covered. Peace. Peace.